Uh, hey, Dean. Uh, so this is what we're doing on the podcast now. Before we uh, actually get into anything, uh, we're just going to talk about the reviews that we got over the past week. Is that cool? Yeah, that sounds, that sounds great. All right, great. So uh, since we pleaded with people last week to give us reviews on iTunes, one more person has. And uh, it's very uplifting. Uh, <laughs> so we're at a four out of five stars total. Just going to give you the run the rundown. Just give you the stats here. Uh, <laughs> so that's pretty good. I mean, I feel good about four out of five stars. I don't. I think it's actually not that good. But uh, like, I don't think our podcast is really worth that. But I'm okay with saying it. It's fine. I appreciate other people judging it that way. Yeah, me too. I think that's good. <laughs> um, okay, so we have a new review. It's by a person, uh, username Anabaptish, Anabaptish, like Anabaptist-ish, or or uh, or their their name is Tish and they're Anabaptist. Yeah, or their uh, their first name is Tish and their last name is Anabap. <laughs> yeah, that could be that could that's possible. Well, uh, so this uh, this user gave us a five out of five stars, which I am uh, very thankful for. <laughs> How nice. Um, okay, so uh, get ready for this. This is a uh, this is a great title. Uh, this is the title of the review. Okay, uh, rare only question mark real christian left podcast okay so that's right you heard it right from itunes we are the we are (laughs) we are first of all rare which is very good uh and we are the maybe only real christian left podcast uh i don't know if there are any other christian left podcasts out there there probably are but uh they're not as real as us yeah they're democrats out there yeah just some liberals uh we keep it very real though yeah, very real. Uh, very real most... and very rare around here. Real and rare. We don't cook this podcast. It's uh, it's bleeding when it gets to your to your, P- uh, your headphones. Pink in the middle. That's right. Gross. I don't... <laughs> yeah, I don't eat meat. So actually, very gross. Let's get yeah, away from that. I can't even think fast. about it. That's disgusting. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyways, okay. So this is the this is the uh, the what they say in in the uh, the comment. Um, some neat and well-informed Christian left ideas and information here. They've been improving production quality and bringing on interesting guests. So that's good. Yeah, that's that proves our uh, it proves our commitment actually that if you donate to the Patreon, we'll improve the uh, the quality. Every single week, it gets better because we get more Patreon subscribers. We got two today, and it's better because of it. That's Already. right. Thank you. By the way, that's uh, it. Still blows me away that people actually appreciate uh, what we're even saying on this because I had such a good time doing it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. It's like maybe I, I feel like I shouldn't get paid to have fun. Uh, capitalism has like driven that into me that I should actually be like hating myself if I'm making money. So uh, I don't know. Thanks for not making me feel that way. <laughs> yeah. I really like that. It's good. I appreciate it. Um, it's important to note though this this comment here. Uh, it begins with some neat and well-informed <laughs> Christian left ideas and information here, which uh, which does mean that there are some unneat and some uninformed Christian left ideas, uh, which is true, which is 100% true. It is true. true. Yeah, there are dirty Christian ideas on this podcast. Some uh, real, uh, yeah, some real dirty, dirty, uh, gross stuff in here. Yeah, garbage takes. And then there are also some uh, uh, uninformed takes. Yeah. Like some that we just make up on the spot. Yeah, we're going to do it real soon. <laughs> All right, here it goes. Ah, oh, here it goes. Right, that's the Keenan Kel thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Coolio. Um, cue, cue the Coolio.
Hey Matt. Hey Dean. Uh, how's it going on this uh this fine episode of the Magnificast? It's going great, man. It's a good it's a good episode. <laughs> this is gonna be the best episode. <laughs> That's a high praise. Um but I have to agree. In the last few episodes, we've been like hitting all of the heavy topics. Uh, we talked about Lenin, and that was like intense. And uh, we talked about the Communist Party of the Philippines, and that was also intense. Um, but this week, I think we should do something a little more chill. Is that cool? Yeah, that's very cool. <laughs> okay, so this is what I was thinking. Uh, the entire podcast is like basically predicated on the assumption that everyone that listens to this is already a Christian or are is already a leftist. Uh, or they're like at least open to either of those things. <laughs> um, so I thought it might be a good idea, like if we uh, if we did some groundwork in this episode that explains uh, explains like uh, socialism, communism, and like how it is or is not compatible with Christianity. Do that, like, do that heavy lifting for our for our wonderful listeners, huh? Yeah, that sounds good. That sounds really good. Um, I wish someone would have done that for me. So yeah, uh, yeah, me too. <laughs> so like, maybe th- these are like, uh, this is these are the things that you'll have to explain to your dad uh, when you go home and talk to him about <laughs> how much you love Karl Marx in this podcast. Right on the now. on the Fourth of July in particular. <laughs> yeah, it's coming up. So <laughs> time to uh, break out that reading list. <laughs> That's right, Dad. Have you ever read Althusser? <laughs> you would really like it. Why, yes. Now. And here are here are my objections. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> like really, uh, real class conscious dad voice. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's the only dad voice I'm gonna have one day when I'm a dad. <laughs> All right. Well, um, since uh, since I'm like so brainwashed into uh, my leftist ideology. I uh, scoured the internet and like just looked at some uh, <laughs> at some Christian blogs to see like what people <laughs> uh, what people had like what objections that these folks would come up with against socialism or against communism. Uh, turns out they don't know the difference between those two things, uh, so uh, no big deal. But <laughs> 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 anyways, uh, I came up with five five main objections. I think that if we talk through them together. Uh, Maybe it would be like a good starting place for somebody if like uh, you didn't you didn't do a master's degree and a PhD uh, that focused on uh, Karl Marx. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. Um, I like that a lot. Uh, okay, so what was like um, a prime objection? What's the first thing you got on your list there? Yeah, uh, the first objection. Okay, so uh, let me let me give you a little bit of a, a spoiler alert here. Uh, <laughs> All of the objections are actually very stupid, except the very first one, which I think is good. <laughs> um, so the first objection that I found amongst a lot of uh, Christian commentators is that uh, communism and socialism both uh, are predicated on a materialist metaphysics, and that could be a problem for Christianity. Yeah, quality objection. That's something uh, like even good faithful Christians that are on the left have to deal with. I mean, like, literally, when we were talking about Lenin last week, yeah. he, he made the assumption that, like, if you just figured materialism out, you wouldn't be a Christian. So <laughs> That's if, right. if Lenin thinks it's true and also Christian bloggers think it's true, it must be, like, a real objection. Yeah, that's a horseshoe theory for sure. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, okay, so um, materialism is important because it is a, uh, a metaphysic. So metaphysics make... Uh, assumptions about like what is real and what is like the most real in the world um materialism is in stark contrast to another metaphysic called idealism uh idealism uh 
posits that like ideas are sort of like the groundwork of reality where materialism says that like no like real existing matter is the groundwork of um reality and uh both those things are really philosophically nuanced but (laughs) uh materialism is really important for marx because he thinks that um if you describe the world through a like a materialist sort of lens um you can get to a uh, type of political economy that is actually good for people. Yeah, that sounds like a good summary, actually. Well done. Uh, I was I was interested to see how this would go, and I uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, that was a uh, that was my teacher voice too. <laughs> uh, I like it. That's a good teacher voice. It's not the same as uh, Quest Contra's dad voice, but uh, it's got its own charm. Yeah. If you want to know more about materialism and Marx, uh, he has a, a thing to read called the German Ideology. That's where you should go for that kind of conversation. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but uh, materialism is definitely uh, a problem for Christianity because uh, in Christianity, uh, you know, we have this whole like spirit thing going on (laughs) and uh, that's a complication uh, for materialism because in materialism, I don't know, you don't believe in things like spirits or uh, the non-material. I don't know, Dean, uh, what do you think about this objection? How would you resolve this? Yeah, I mean, uh, okay. I think it's too quick for some Christians to actually move directly to uh, replying to this kind of objection by saying, uh, well, um, just because we disagree about, I don't know, the final destination of human beings or like the existence of God or however, like that doesn't mean that we can't borrow from Marx's analysis, etc. Like that's true. And we'll talk about that hopefully soon. Um, But I think it's actually important to wrestle with this tension because as you were referring to the Lenin episode last week, like, it is a real thing. I mean, Marxists are, uh, well, Orthodox Marxists are atheists. And if you're not an atheist, you're not an Orthodox Marxist, which is fine. Um, but it's something to kind of work through. So, yeah, what do you think about that? Like, as a as a kind of real challenge to, like, all, uh, all things that get called religions, um, what do you think sort of materialism... Uh, kind of maybe on the one hand offers to religion as a critical voice, and then on the other hand gets wrong about religion. Yeah, um, well, what it offers to religion that I think is good is um, it gives a way of systematically understanding uh, material injustice in the world. Most religions uh, have some type of sentiment that uh, says that you should care about the poor or something. I mean, right. I don't know. It's not that's not a controversial statement, right? I don't think it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, figuring out who the poor is or who the oppressed is is significantly easier if you know about materialism and you can understand like uh, that the material conditions are not just like the immediate relationship between people and their property or something. That there's like a larger structural thing going on there. So materialism is helpful in that way. That it gives you a way to understand systemic problems. Uh, it offers a challenge uh, when it comes to uh all of the other stuff <laughs> like uh i don't know um christological stuff like when yeah. if you have to make claims about um like what happened to jesus when he uh died and then rose again and like when he ascends it's it's weird because on the one hand like the resurrection story is a super materialist story um jesus is crucified he's like put in a tomb And, like, when he comes back, uh, it is his, like, material body that is there that has the holes in it, right? So there's, like, there is a real materialism in Christianity that we can find there. But uh, there's, like, other weird stuff that that is harder to deal with. Like, 
I don't know, like the ascension is like kind of weird because matter doesn't usually just kind of fly into the sky. <laughs> um, when Jesus talks about demon possession, that's kind of weird too because demons are, I don't know, seemingly immaterial. So, uh, I don't know. There are some there are some definite challenges. Uh, there are also some, like, uh, I don't know. I'm not, like, a biblical scholar in the least. So <laughs> there, are some, there are different ways of reading some of those more spiritual-geared stories that make materialism a little bit more palatable. But there's still probably some challenges. I don't know. Do you yeah. know what, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's right. Um, and in terms of a kind of helpful... Um, critical voice, I guess. Uh, One tool that materialism offers to Christians is uh, forcing Christians to really confront what conversations they're having that make a material difference and what conversations they're having that actually don't. So, for example, you know, you were just talking about things like Christology and, I don't know, what people think about the resurrection, etc. And it's not that those conversations are uninteresting or you know, totally unimportant. I guess some of them are probably important, but at at a real kind of basic level, there is something about those conversations that divide, say, for example, the working class from each other in ways that are actually very bad uh, and prevent them from dealing with the material problems that are right in front of them. So, you know, whether or not you baptize babies or something, that's an interesting kind of cultural conversation to have. But at the end of the day, it, Baptizing a baby or not baptizing a baby doesn't make any difference to whether or not all the people in the world are getting exploited by a global capitalist situation. Uh, So in the grand scheme of things, it helps to contextualize the importance of some of those conversations and debates. Um, So I don't know, in my own life, uh, I think materialism actually pushed me away from caring as much about theological problems as I used to. Uh, and I'm like thankful for it for that. Not that I don't care about them and not that I don't appreciate the kind of good work that some people do with them, but, um, I don't know. I think it's just helpful to inform that work and as, as it relates to contextualizing it in a way. Yeah. I think at the very least, um, materialism is a mode of critique that you can just kind of like pilfer and use, uh, <laughs> even though you might not have like a strong commitment to the metaphysics. That's the um, uh, the Augustinian way, right? You're plundering the Egyptians for their uh, yeah their tools. That's right. Their gold, yeah. whatever it is. <laughs> it's a a very uh, yeah. That's that's right. That's a very good uh, way of thinking about it. Yeah, um, it is. Uh, I also think, though, on the other hand, um, like I sort of said earlier, I often feel kind of ambivalent when christians take up this relationship to marxism and materialism in particular where it's like uh well we can just adopt kind of the mode of critique without um feeling the need to uh take on board all this other stuff and i obviously agree with that because i have a podcast with you about christianity and leftist politics (laughs) um so like a very existential level i think that that's right um but there's a triumphalistic way that some people read that where it's like uh yeah, well, you know, Orthodox Marxists are like idiots when it comes to religion, so we don't have to deal with that. Um, and, you know, a lot of Orthodox Marxists actually do have an impoverished view of religion. Um, but I don't know. There's like a lot to sort out there. And that objection to Marxism among some conservative Christians, I think, is at least one that's worth like playing with and, you know, not allowing it to win as an objection, but just allowing it to kind of trouble the relationship between the left and Christianity in some ways. So, okay, uh, conservative Christian bloggers out there, uh, materialism, that that's a really, that's a good concern. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, you're wrong to be worried about it, but uh, that's the the best one of all the but it's a, all the problems. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> okay, um, so here's the second one. Uh, this is something that uh, th- this is where the uh, conservative values of some of these Christian bloggers really shine through. <laughs> so it's awesome. Okay, it, I, it's kind of phrased phrased like in a weird way, but uh, I'll kind of explain it, and you'll get what it means. Okay, uh, so. Um, a few of these bloggers based this objection off uh, off of a uh, I don't know a decontextualized uh, quote from Second Thessalonians. <laughs> it's one line. Uh, the the quote from Second Thessalonians is the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. <laughs> right. Uh, so uh, first of all, again, I'm not a biblical scholar, but I know better than to take one line from a letter uh, <laughs> and just to be like. So what do you think about that, communists? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so basically, the idea here is that uh, is that uh, summed up in this like the stupid decontextualized uh, Bible verse. Uh, what you get is like uh, the idea, I guess, or the assumption that uh, people like in uh, a hypothetical, I guess, ideal like socialist society <laughs> could just like kind of mooch off the government and not work and not contribute. <laughs> And that should make conservative Christians like very, um, I don't know, nervous about it. Like, like everyone needs to to work. Like everyone has to contribute or something. This like sort of idea of like personal individual responsibility. Yeah. Um. I mean, this is like uh, this seems to me like a uh, a conservative value that's actually just sort of like uh, thinly veiled with a Bible verse. Yeah. And it actually, is like a Christian, uh, re- like a Christian objection. Yeah. I don't know. That's what do you exactly think? Right. Um, well, I think that's right. And I also think that the biggest thing is, um, just centering on even the term work. Like, I don't know, I, like you, I'm also not a biblical scholar and I hesitate to ever talk about the Bible because I'm almost always wrong. Uh, and there are a lot of people who are a lot smarter than me, but at the end of the day, I do know that, uh, ancient Greece, um, or ancient Rome, sorry, is not the same as a contemporary global capitalism. Um, so whatever Paul meant by like working and eating is not even a little bit the same as like working and eating, um, as it is now or, uh, how those relationships might play out. And I think one of the most dangerous ways to read the Bible is basically to try to lift these principled stances out of, I don't know, a really weird society and a, a kind of burgeoning community of Christians that was trying to figure out what the heck it was supposed to be doing, uh, trying to lift those principles and then apply them to, a you know, a world that is organized by like oil and mass industrial production and commodification of everything. Uh, they, they just don't translate in the same exact way. And it's a mistake to assume that um, if Paul were alive today or whatever, he would think that work is the same exact thing as it is now. I mean, like I said, I don't know what he thought, but it probably wasn't. Uh, he probably wasn't thinking about you like going to your Dilbert job, you know, from nine to five <laughs> and then going home. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that the uh, actually in this situation, I think the the right uh, materialist question to ask is like, okay, if that's if that's the case, then like, what were the uh, what was the relationship between the people <laughs> in this uh, letter to their labor? Like, did they yeah, own the means of production? Right. <laughs> uh, what's going on? Yeah, um, it's also I don't know this idea of like social like social individual responsibility that everyone has to work i think is also kind of an anti-christian idea um, yeah i think you're right especially if you really do believe in like uh the 
I don't know. I don't want to get too like cheesy and evangelical, I guess. But <laughs> if you really believe in like the self pouring out and like canonic love of Jesus Christ as something that you like don't actually deserve, yeah. then uh, then like this is I don't know. This is doesn't work. Yeah. Or even uh, <laughs> another amateur theologian point here. Um, to think of it in terms of kind of eschatological life, you know, if at the end of all of human society or whatever, you really believe that you'll live in a society that kind of mirrors in some ways, um, a world without the fall or something, uh, it's like, well, what do we learn about what happens to human beings in the biblical myth of the fall? It turns out they have to work, uh, and before (laughs) they, they didn't. Um, so yeah, that's a good point, man. Yeah, Yeah, no, that's good. If you're living an eschatologically informed life, then presumably you wouldn't assume the conditions of the fall are the things that you should be patterning your community around. Right. Plus, uh, before the fall, all animals are vegetarians. So uh, <laughs> That's right. So that's why you shouldn't eat meat? <laughs> yeah. Uh, for a time in my life, that was the reason I didn't eat meat. It's not the I... reason that I don't eat meat now, but there was a time right. that it was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't eat meat now because uh, people who work in like meatpacking uh, factories like can't go to the bathroom. Yeah, like they exactly. don't get bathroom breaks. Same. Uh, so, uh, yeah. I don't know. The material conditions are bad, and, like, uh, you shouldn't eat meat because, like, those are crappy companies. <laughs> uh, like, all companies are crappy, but those ones specifically. <laughs> okay, um, so... Yeah, so, whatever. Socialism, I don't know, on this view, stops people from being good for whatever reason. Uh, that makes no sense to me at all. Um, yeah, that's completely bizarre, I think. <laughs> uh, okay, so we t- we've taken care of these first two objections. Uh, here's yep. the third one. Uh, okay, if the sec- if this like uh, if this last objection was like a conservative value thinly veiled in uh, in a Bible verse, the third one is even more so. <laughs> uh, so a pretty common objection to uh, communism, socialism, Marxist philosophy. I don't know all of those things. Okay, I just kind of jam those things together, which is not really very good. <laughs> uh, but like the, the the kind of places I'm taking these ideas from, do it. Um, maybe we can talk about what those things are specifically later, but for now, okay, yeah. these are the objections. Uh, so the third objection is that like, uh, in the 10 commandments, it says thou shall not steal. Uh, so sort of like the underlying logic or, uh, objection here is that, uh, in a socialist, uh, kind of political economy, the government steals your private property, I guess, like they <laughs> yeah. steal like what belongs to you, I guess in the forms of taxation or in the forms of like the appropriation of land or something. Right. Uh, that is again, like not really what's going on. I think in the 10 commandments <laughs> or like uh, anywhere in the entire Bible, but, uh, that's kind of what it comes down to is that like, uh, that, uh, it's weird because it seems, it seems like the objection, um, that many Christians come up with at this point, it, it, it be, like has an absolute belief that private private property or is like something that's like uh, that 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 no one can transgress. That it's like an inalienable yeah. right, and I think that is uh, some pretty wrong headed thinking. Yeah, that's right, and it's also just a huge uh, mistake in terms of importing modern private property categories onto whatever was happening in the Bible again. Like it's the same kind of error that people. I think make with respect to just being lazy about thinking about Paul and whatever the heck he's talking about. Um, like if you do read the old Testament, which I know a little bit about having taken some classes on it, uh, it's, (laughs) it just isn't the case that private property is respected in the same way that it's respected, um, in modernity where it's a kind of literally an inalienable, right? You can't get rid of it. 
Um, and, you know, I just think it's a mistake to assume that private property was ever held um, in the same way in all parts of history as it is today. Uh, I don't know. Human rights, like, didn't exist before modernity. So the right to property was not, like, a thing on anybody's radar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it also reminds me, though, I mean, this objection reminds me uh, directly of a line from the Communist Manifesto. <laughs> uh, which is the best the best manifesto actually um <laughs> that i think is that i think is good so this is uh probably dean committing the same sin of like importing uh <laughs> the idea of property rights but i think it's more of a response to the, to the conservative logic than just yeah. to, like the biblical position or whatever anyways marx in the communist manifesto says private property is always already done away with for nine tenths of the population um this is like kind of like a hot take um uh, that Marx uh, gives. So Marx in in the manifesto is actually doing the same thing that we're doing here. Um, he's like laying out like bourgeois objections to communism, and uh, and he's just like sort of like rebuking them with like a pretty uh, strong rhetorical flourish, and it's awesome. <laughs> uh, anyways, but the point here is that like uh, the bourgeoisie are like uh, upset because the communists are going to come take uh, come take the private property away from them. And uh, Marx is like, yeah, but for most most people don't have private property to begin with. And yes, we will take yours. Yeah. Uh, and here's actually a, a good way in which the problem gets inverted um, with respect to the objection here that um, the government is stealing your property or whatever when they tax you because uh, <laughs> communists and anarchists have a lot of disagreements. But one thing that is kind of a common thread is a good Proudhon line that property is theft, right? Um and you get the same thing in Marx, though, put in different sort of language, that uh, basically what capitalists are constantly doing is stealing all of the extra value that gets created by the people that they exploit, by the laborers that they exploit. Um, right. So if you were really upset about things getting stolen, you, I mean, there are compelling reasons in leftist politics to assume that that's exactly why you shouldn't like capitalism, because it institutionalizes thievery, right? So if you're an anarchist, it's a uh, thievery because all private property is stealing because private property doesn't uh, properly belong to a private person. Um, if you're a communist, uh, there's another way of talking about stealing in terms of uh, stealing people's labor and the work that they do and the products that they contribute to. Uh, and I think it's just like an interesting way of if you were really upset about, you know, the <laughs> the value of stealing, then there's no reason that you shouldn't assume that leftists have something to say about that. Yeah, right. Um, this kind of reminds me of a really like formative moment uh, in my uh, my career as a communist. Um, <laughs> when uh, when I was getting my master's degree, I was in this class um, that was on like Marxist philosophy, and it was a great class. Anyways, uh, somebody like uh, it's I, it was at a school in the Midwest, so of course somebody asked this question about private property and theft, and like <laughs> don't communists just like want to steal your stuff or whatever. Anyways, and the instructor, who is an amazing person, said like, like basically what you just said, but also made this other great point that was like, uh, like listen, if there was like a communist uprising like right now, like there's not, but if there was, um, like they're not coming for you. They're not coming for your property. Cause like, guess what? Like you basically don't own anything. You're a yeah, college student. Right. You're like, you know, you're, you're at least $10,000 in debt or something. Like you don't <laughs> own a single thing. Like they're, they're going for people who actually like own capital yeah. and like who own the means of production. Like they don't want your toothbrush. They don't want your like crappy house. Like 
maybe it's nice ass. I don't know. But like, they're <laughs> not, not what they're after. They're after like something like much more important. Um, maybe a good example of this thing about property is uh, the Grenfell fire that happened uh, really recently in the UK. Um, I mean, basically, there's a fire and a lot of people lost their homes and um, and their lives. And uh, that is very terrible. Um, however, in response to these people who like, now don't have homes, uh, Jeremy Corbyn uh, just suggested that, like, I don't know, people, those people should, like, occupy the empty apartments around London. Uh, so, like, uh, basically the idea, though, is that, like, the, the people that are in need are more important than, like, stupid arbitrary property rights. Yeah, that's also uh, an extremely Christian concept. Um, so the early church thought of property in those terms in a lot of cases. Uh, there are a lot of authors who treat property with suspicion, and they do it on the grounds that it's actually stealing from the poor. So uh, St. John of Chrysostom is like the one that always comes to mind for me. But basically what they'll say is if you're a rich person and you have extra coats in your closet that you don't wear, that's theft. You stole that from the poor, um, even though you never met a poor person and like took a coat off their back or whatever. Um, that's the logic that basically plays out. Um, and even in uh, the biblical narrative, you get that same kind of thing going on like you know, there are so many problems with basing politics off the Old Testament. People should not do it. Please don't do that. However, uh, there's a cool thing in the Old Testament. Um, well, a lot of cool things. Uh, but there's this whole sort of jubilee mechanic where, like, every seven years, basically all these debts just get canceled and all the property that people are supposed to have accumulated just, like, reset and go back to normal. Um, and that's supposed to happen all the time, and, uh, there are all these weird, like, controls on property getting too out of control, uh, so, like, you're not supposed to cut the corners of your field because they actually belong to the poor, uh, even though you cultivate them, and they're technically on your land. Um, so, you know, like, the Judeo-Christian tradition has just never, uh, appreciated private property in the same way that moderns do, even though moderns are Christians, so I guess I shouldn't say that, but, uh... There's a very early precedent for Christians to um, basically support exactly what Jeremy Corbyn is saying uh, on their own grounds, you know, not even in whatever the grounds of the Labor Party or something. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, I think so, so much of that is just imported into uh, Christianity from capitalism, like from yeah. ideology. And vice versa. Um, I mean, Christianity did build capitalism, but uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's a complicated relationship. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay, so the next objection that we're going to talk about uh, is that um, Marxism is something that encourages envy through the mechanism of class war. Marx, Marx's philosophy of history is one that is based on like uh, like the tensions of like class antagonism. That there's always like there are always classes pitted against one another, and that in capitalism we see these two, we see all of the classes sort of congeal into these two polar opposites of the proletariat and the bourgeoisie, um, and uh, and I guess uh, some might say that like um, like playing up the antagonism between these two classes might make one class envious of another. <laughs> uh but that seems like a really weird articulation of that problem yeah Dude, what, what do you think yeah i mean the only way i can understand the objection is to say that uh marxism as a discourse uh would maybe encourage people who are members of lower classes to be envious of those who are members of higher classes or whatever rich classes so then the whole motivation is basically that you just like want their 
crap. Um, and so be politics of resentment. And that's like politics of resentment are bad, but that's actually not what Marxism is, I don't think. Yeah, um, not at all. It's interesting because this is in part uh, the implicit interpretation in some of Catholic social teaching. Uh, so there's a kind of notorious doctrine in Catholic social teaching called class harmony, where basically they were like, well, we don't want to abolish classes. We just want everybody to like be buds and kind of, you know, take up their spot in a healthy functioning society. And there's no reason that the classes should hate each other and envy each other. Um, but I think what Catholic social teaching misunderstands, uh, really fundamentally is that what Marx is doing is not articulating, uh, or not creating an, uh, a kind of hatred between the classes, but articulating a conflict that is already present, whether or not the two classes, you know, genuinely hate one another in terms of like feelings or something, uh, is sort of beside the point. Um, the real point is that there are structural mechanics that make these two classes, uh, clash in significant ways for their own kind of survival. So if you're a good capitalist, like you've got to uh, exploit as many workers as you can to make as much profit as you can, uh, because really, um, you know, you've got to envy your neighbor capitalists so that you can kind of keep keep the pace with them or or outpace them or whatever. Um, and then if you're on the other side of that conflict, uh, you're constantly getting your labor sort of um, stolen, whether you like it or not. I mean, some people don't mind it, but uh, it's not about whether or not you actively hate them or resent them or whatever. Uh, Marx is just sort of noting like a mechanic that happens, like the class conflict is there. Um, and I think that's like a really important thing that gets misunderstood by a lot of critics of Marx. Yeah, he's not making class warfare or whatever up. He's like, he's describing something that, that is happening, which is like uh, one of Marx's like most important roles is like descriptor. Yeah, but e even more though, uh, Herbert McCabe in that article we read a few weeks ago uh, says this, but I think it's worth saying here too that like the point of like the point of like of being a communist isn't to like bring more people under like subjugation. Like the point isn't to flip the roles in society, right. right? Right. The point is to work through the like through these political economies and get get to like a just political economy. Um, and not to like, I don't know, just like, uh, get revenge on, on your enemies or something like that. Yeah, that's right. And another thing McCabe says in that article, which is also very right and good is that, uh, <laughs> I'm going to just repeat the same logical argument I made in the last point, but, um, basically like if you're worried about envy, then you should be upset about capitalism, not socialism, because mm -hmm. it's capitalism that encourages you to compete, right? To be envious of one another um, to try to outdo one another and outpace one another and always be worried that someone else is gonna, you know, if you're not working as hard as you can, someone else is gonna work harder and they'll take your job or they'll, you know, out, uh, outmaneuver you in the market or something. And I think that's the strangest thing to me about that kind of an objection is that like capitalism really breeds resentment, not just among classes, but even among people within classes, you know, like the yeah, bourgeoisie will protect itself, but it also, uh, is suspicious of each other <laughs> well, i mean that's how that's how like i don't know consumerism like works right you have to be envious like to that's want, right like to like produce that desire of like wanting something ridiculous yeah it's like uh anyone who's ever been to high school like understands uh, how <laughs> capitalism basically corners you into being envious <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> okay here's the fifth objection and i think it's an interesting one 
but there's a, a really gl- a great response that Marx himself has. Okay, so the the final objection is that like um, socialism in some way uh, destroys families or like is not good for family life, which uh, as we all know, evangelical Christians love it. They love families. They're like all about <laughs> family values. Um, yeah, I, so I guess the idea is there's something about uh, there's something about like the socialist arrangement of like egalitarianism that makes family life t- degrade or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> on this point, though, there's actually uh, <laughs> there's actually some really funny responses from Marx himself on this very point. Uh, uh, so I guess I'll just like I guess I'll just read it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If the objection is that socialism destroys families, Marx says this. The bourgeois family will vanish as a matter of course when its complement vanishes, and both will vanish with the vanishing of capital. Okay, so maybe maybe this objection is right. Um, The bourgeois (laughs) claptrap about the family and education, about the hallowed correlation of parent and child, becomes all the more disgusting, the more by the action of modern industry, all family ties among the proletarians are torn asunder and their children transformed into simple articles of commerce and instruments of labor. But you communists would introduce community of women, screams the whole bourgeoisie chorus. The bourgeois sees in his wife a mere instrument of of production. He hears that the instruments of production are to be exploited in common, and naturally can come to no other conclusion than that, uh, that the lot being common to all will likewise fall to the women. Uh, <laughs> he has not even a suspicion that the real point aimed at is to do away with the status of women as mere instruments of production. Okay, so uh, <laughs> I guess in the last two objections, uh, it's been like, uh, well, no, communism doesn't do that. Actually, capitalism does. And I think the same <laughs> point uh, remains here. Based on this quote from Marx is that uh, socialism doesn't destroy families. Actually, the bourgeois family... Um, in which people are instrumentalized uh, to uh, either like produce or reproduce, uh, or uh, or like bring in money for the family is already a pretty degraded family as it is. Um, so uh, maybe that should be destroyed. Yeah, uh, there's like two things I think about this. Uh, so the first thing is that, like you were just saying, capitalism is the thing that undermines family. So I find it so odd that so many conservatives align themselves to capitalism because if you're a real conservative um you're probably also upset about things like i don't know what whatever is happening in culture that gets marketed to say your children for example so uh like i knew a lot of evangelicals who were upset that um whatever in rated r films there would be partial nudity or swearing or violence or what i don't know they weren't that worried about violence but all the other stuff uh (laughs) or they'd be worried about um the availability of internet pornography or something but the thing is all those things exist by virtue of how uh effective they are in a capitalist society like it makes a lot of money to be able to do those things and that's why people do them um, so if you if you felt like your family was getting screwed over by uh, the moral degradation of your society, um, it's like capitalism, not liberals, that you would have <laughs> to blame for that. Uh, but the other thing that bothers me is like, so I don't agree with that critique because I think conservatives are wrong about a lot of things. <laughs> and that's one of them, like being paranoid about your family is not a good thing. Um, but another way uh, that this is sort of frustrating to me is... Um, I feel like there's a deep kind of anti-family sentiment in Christianity itself. Oh, yeah. Um, 
And that's important to explore. Like, Jesus is uh, not exactly family friendly. If you look at a lot of things he says, you know, like at one point, like his mom and siblings come and they're like, hey, what's up? And he's like, oh, these people, like, that's not my mom and brothers. These other people are my mom and brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like he, he builds like a totally different family apart from the kind of blood ties that he was born into. Right. Uh, and that's like a really radical and difficult thing that I think it's safe to say Christianity has actually never fully grasped or uh, embodied, um, except in maybe like very minor moments. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Socialism destroys the family. It's like on the one hand, well, first of all, capitalism destroys the family. But on the other hand, also like the family as we know it is maybe not even an institution that we should be thinking about as something to preserve per se. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's actually a pretty interesting point. Huh? Well, all right. Yeah, uh, there's some hard stuff in the New Testament about uh, even getting married. Yeah, I mean, I'm married, and I don't have kids, but I do have two cats. And also, like, I love my mom and my, uh, you know, sister and my, you know, whatever, my siblings. Yeah, yeah, But, uh, yeah, I get it. Like, family weighs you down, you know? It's really hard to uh, do the radical things that Jesus wants you to do when you got to worry about taking care of your family or having your family take care of you or, you know, all the complications that happen in family life. Right. It's one thing that this is a, a weird aside. I'm just going to go with it, though, because this podcast is for. Uh, it's one thing that I appreciate about, um, weirdly enough, sort of the role of priests in society, Catholic priests in particular, who are celibate and have no, uh, you know, biological families. Um, so I always think of Daniel Berrigan when I think about celibacy because and philip berrigan too but they uh famously if you don't know who they are they're two catholic priests who broke into uh a military office with a bunch of other people as well nine of them all together and they stole these vietnam documents draft documents and they took them out in the parking lot and they burned it with homemade napalm and uh said these prayers over it and then uh, a bunch of them got arrested and some of them ran away uh daniel berrigan famously like fled the fbi for a long time and uh, they finally caught him and whatever. They all had their own trials. But what's so crazy to me about that is, like, if Daniel Berrigan was, like, a regular old family man with, like, kids to worry about and all that kind of stuff, it would be, like, really hard to break into a Vietnam draft dodger's office or draft office and then take all these records and burn them so that they, like, literally stopped people from going to Vietnam. <laughs> uh and by virtue of that kind of freedom, you know, there's something really kind of interesting and, and Christ-like about that that I think is important for Christians to at least, like, leave the door open um, to that kind of experience. So, I don't know. It's not like an argument for or against the family per se, but it's like a complicated relationship that Christianity really does have to family as an institution, even in one of its most conservative uh, expressions, like the Roman Catholic Church or whatever. Yeah, huh. That's good. Um I hope so. Yeah, can we do can we do one more that I didn't write down? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Um Okay, uh I, I guess like another objection I think that I I've at least heard in real life before is yeah. that uh that to be like a Marxist or to be a communist um is to be like uh like not to be an American or you know, not to like have that sense of patriotism <laughs> that is like correct for people. Um right. And uh, it's weird how that gets wrapped up with Christianity so much. I mean, this is such a such a like uh, I don't know only surface level um, comment on the 
I don't know, the combined powers of patriotism and Christianity. Uh, I, I yeah. mean, like, you know, we could say a lot about that probably. Um, <laughs> but uh, those two things do like get combined a lot. And uh, it's sort of interesting. I think a problem, uh, a problem for sure. Um, I know like, you know, uh, does your, does your sanctuary or whatever have like an American flag in it? Like why? Uh, right. <laughs> that's where, that's like the Stanley <laughs> Hauerwas point or whatever, or the John Howard Yoder point. Anyways. Um, <laughs> so like, uh, so uh, some, sometimes the objection to, uh, to socialism, to Marxism, to communism is that it's like not patriotic, that you can't love your country and be a communist. And uh, I'm here to say that that's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's like a really yeah, I agree. that's a really good objection actually uh you guys are right you got us there um uh, from the manifesto again which is like uh basically the bible at this point uh mark says the communists are further reproached with desiring to abolish countries and nationality the working men have no country we cannot take from them what they have not got since the proletariat must first of all acquire political supremacy, uh, must rise to be the leading class of the nation, must constitute itself the nation, it is so far itself national, though not in the bourgeois sense of the word. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's true. Uh, <laughs> there's a real anti-patriotism and anti-nationalism. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man, that's a that's a, I think a right assessment. <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. But yeah. I think there's also, uh, I mean, I bring it up because I think it's important uh, to disentangle Christianity from nationalism because it's such a, like, it's such a toxic mix of things. Um, yeah. And not only that, like, it's a clearly pervasive force, especially in American society, uh, probably more than any other. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's not true. But significantly uh, in the United States, you know, um, I think the majority of people who, you know, not only just voted for Donald Trump, but voted at all would probably identify as Christians. And the people who defend Donald Trump are primarily Christians. And the people who also can't seem to imagine a politics outside of the left are also Christians. And a lot of those uh, arguments boil down to patriotism in one way or another. So either you uh, support Donald Trump because he represents some kind of nationalist dream for you to make America great again, or you, uh, you know, you you fully believed in Hillary Clinton because you're like a real patriot who cares about your country or something, and like both of those approaches are actually uh, uh, mirrored um, bad ways of approaching the problem. I think if you're a good Christian and a good leftist, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't fall into either of those kind of sods. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. I I also think it's a really um, hmm, it's a cool note too to say that like um, like the proletariat. So this is a reference Marx again, that like the proletariat has to become like the leading class of the nation and must constitute itself as the nation, but not as like a bourgeois sense of the word. Right. And uh, I really like that because, um, okay, uh, so I'm not, I'm not a Marxist Leninist. Uh, sorry. <laughs> uh but sorry derek please don't yeah. listen to this episode sorry derek i have like sympathies but it's just like not quite my jam yeah I get um it. but uh but that's a cool i think that's a cool formulation that it's like uh it's has to form a nation but not in the bourgeois sense insofar as like um uh marxism is not always like a hard statism i guess is like my like what appeals to me about that um yeah so uh that there's like uh there's this kind of special formation uh, that the that the nation has in this way of thinking that it's not uh, it's not um, about like pride I guess necessarily but about like um, 
I don't know, a just arrangement of society where the, yeah, the, people, who, I think that's right. the people who do the work own the means of production. Right. Um, also, I just want to take this opportunity to actually uh, make a quick jab at Hauerwas since you brought him uh, up yeah. and mentioned him. Jab, jab um, that guy. And Yoder and others. So the thing is about nationalism, it's completely true and good and right that Christianity opposes nationalism and should oppose it. And we should all keep driving that home, especially in nations where Christianity and nationalism are uh, seemingly inextricably linked um, in frustrating ways. However, with that long, long preamble, uh, however, I think that sometimes that actually precludes moving one step further to real class conscious politics And you see that in people like Harawas and Yoder. So they're very quick to denounce uh, the worship of the United States as idolatry or whatever. And that's good. Um, But it's also like, okay, but what are you doing to uh, really fund, you know, actual organized alternatives? Um, And sometimes I think that the nationalism critique, while being good, uh, almost gets kind of fetishized or fixated on in a way that precludes critiquing... um, the structures of capital as such, because uh, that's really the ultimate kind of problem, I think. Um, as bad as nationalism is, uh, capitalism isn't national anymore. It's uh, transnational, it's global, and uh, the resistance to it has to be transnational and global too. And I think if you resist capitalism, you kind of are forced into a position of anti-nationalism, mm-hmm. but the opposite isn't true. If you're opposed to nationalism, you're not necessarily opposed to capitalism, which, um, I don't know. That's a troubling fate for a lot of Christians, in my experience. Yeah, um, man, I'm really interested in like that that question about like, um, I don't know, nationalism, especially. Uh, sorry, man, it, it's always all going to come back around to the Philippines because like that's my one interest in the world right now. <laughs> um, yeah, dude. But like uh, that question's played out in a pretty interesting way there. Yeah, they're the Christians for national liberation, right? And like the NDF is about that is about national liberation too. And, uh, well, okay, so if I'm not a Marxist-Leninist, I'm also definitely not a Maoist. But, uh, again, like, <laughs> I can have sympathies, I suppose. And uh, the the Maoist answer to this question is pretty interesting, too. Uh, since it's a formulation of uh, Marxism-Leninism uh, that has to deal with, uh, like, colonialism and post-colonialism, uh, it has to figure out a way to deal with the idea of the nation when the nation is so fraught with problems um so like national liberation is like is important uh because uh you might have to side with like sort of like the national bourgeoisie to like oust the uh the global bourgeoisie yeah i know it is very complicated in that way um but i think it's different in a place like the u.s uh, oh yeah which is the colonizer rather than the colonizer. yeah so maybe it's more a strategic question yeah i think it is totally i guess um i guess the reason i bring up the philippines is just like to make it complicated <laughs> and not to, yeah you yeah, know, yeah like yeah. To, uh, yeah and also just to bring up the philippines because uh always worth bringing yeah up. exactly that's right um yeah cnl uh international um sponsors of this podcast uh, i wish that was true yeah, me I mean, too. I would. We should, I would do it for free. We should reverse that relationship. Actually, we should be sponsors of the CNL. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I want, man. I want the CNL to be like an international thing. Yeah, C I L Christians for International Liberation. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Let's build it. Uh, so uh, sign up on our Patreon to fund this new revolutionary <laughs> effort. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like in the same way that we don't have national uh, or universal health care, but we could have uh, like universal GoFundMe. Yeah, 
Um, we could do the same with Marxism. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the revolution will be crowdfunded. <laughs> it won't, by the way. Don't, yeah, don't it think actually, that. It's not going to get not crowdfunded. Uh, okay, well, maybe in conclusion, I think what you can take away from these objections and our responses to them is when someone says, yeah, man, but uh, communism does this bad thing, you can just be like, yeah, but actually, capitalism does that bad thing. And they will be <laughs> astounded and shaken and uh, convert to yeah, that's right. Marxism at that point. That, that's how it's happened in every interaction that I've ever yeah. had, uh, online and offline. Actually. That's right. Uh, speaking of converting to Marxism, uh, if that's a thing that you actually convert to, uh, you should think about converting to being a Patreon subscriber for us, uh, <laughs> or following us on Twitter, or leaving us a thing on iTunes, and we'll we'll probably read it and uh, make fun of your name or be confused about it. That's that's kind of our thing. That's our that's what we do. That's our brand. All right, uh, here's the illogical spoon to play us out as always. I don't want to get up for church in the morning, church in the morning, souls alive. Heaven come to earth and there won't be no church. We'll meet down by the riverside. There we'll swim with all creation, never get tired, never bored. Don't worry, someday there'll be no dam between us and our Lord. Jackson, keep your hoods up. Keep your hoods up and you stay up late in Jackson. You keep your hoods up, well you keep your hoods up and you stay up late. Oh, don't mind a cold night, but might mind if you leave too soon. So come on now, it's still early. Least I would else are you gonna do Is we kissed in the alley by the Michigan theater False nose blown in the lights of the